goes like a hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is, my lovely fine feathered friends out there. Or flesh feathered, fine fleshy friends, whatever, you know what I mean. This is Lynn, I am your host for Every Person Everywhere, and this is stuff that you can relate to, hopefully. So, the last two episodes I talked about the rambunctious life I lived traveling. Every single trip from here on out, unless I say otherwise, it's safe to assume that that's how I traveled. I traveled cheaply. I had nothing more than a backpack with clothes and a toothbrush and maybe an umbrella or a poncho. And I always had enough space for souvenirs. And I took my laptop on one or two trips before realizing it was too cumbersome to remove from my backpack. Or I bought a laptop if I planned on doing schoolwork while I was, you know, holed up in my hotel for the evening. But otherwise, I had nothing more than a single backpack. And ambition. And enough clothes for like two or three days and a really, really good knowledge on how to read maps and how to work locals so I could figure out where I was getting fed, where I was getting drink, where I was sleeping, where I was doing laundry, where I was exploring for touristy entertainment purposes. But I did all of this because I knew my personality style and I knew what that relates to travel. So what does it mean? Personality style really relates to every single thing that you do in your presence on earth. And for better or worse, there's usually not much you can do to change it. You can try to go outside your comfort zone, but when you do that, you're going to have a bad time in one way or another. Like, let's say you're somebody who is extremely conscientious and you try to visit somewhere that is a little bit more downtrodden per se, that they aren't as conscious of their choices that they make, or, you know, they just aren't as conscientious and neurotic as you might be. You're not going to be able to appreciate that same place if you would have just stayed somewhere where it's very well kept and looked after and you were very in control and in charge at all points in time of what goes on with your daily itinerary. If you're an extrovert, and you go somewhere that's very isolatory where a lot of your time is spent by yourself, you're gonna be fine at the end of the day, but you're probably not going to have as much fun as if you went to a loud, boisterous environment and you were able to talk to lots of different types of people and vice versa. If you're an introvert and you go somewhere that is known for having vibrant culture, that normally means lots of people everywhere you're going to have a pretty miserable time for part of it because of that. And you can explore outside your comfort zone and maybe go somewhere that's a little bit too extroverted or a little bit too neurotic for you. But still, that's the way it is. If you are not okay with watching your corners and being neurotic, then you probably shouldn't go somewhere like the Sahara. You probably shouldn't go somewhere like the Middle East or a lot of parts of Asia that are more impoverished because, spoiler alert, with gypsies, tramps, and thieves, you're going to have to check your corners at all points in time on that trip. So you need to find out your personality style and how this wraps into who you are. Now, I'm not going to 
brag one company or another. Me, when I do any personality or performance metric, I try to find several. So it's like, it's almost like doing scientific research on yourself. So if I'm taking a personality test on what Disney character are you, I'm not just going to go on pro profs or super quiz. I'm going to go on both of those and I'll go on BuzzFeed and I'll go on mind metrics and I'll go on IMDB and I'll go on another five different websites to take that extra 25 to 55 minutes, depending on the length of the quiz and my brain capacity that day to figure out for sure. So if you want to pay a fee to get a professional reading, go for it. But you'll honestly usually get just as much an indicator of who you are by doing several free quizzes because a lot of them are based in the same metrics, the same science. They just have a slightly different way of analyzing each question. This almost sounds a lot like, I don't know, how I was talking about finding cheaper deals earlier. Like when I would find a hotel in Amsterdam, but I would then also go and Google five or six other hotels. And I would also Google their walking distance from A to B and to then to C. When I found a trip on Viator, I would also go on TripAdvisor. I would always go on Viagogo. I would always go on Get Your Guide. I would always go on the company website itself until I found the best rate and the best amenities for your buck. And I would also weigh out the pros and cons of do I really believe this or not? And of course, the do I believe this or not factors into a personality quotient as well because you might think that you're more perceptive than sensing, but then you have, or perceptive than judgmental rather, but then you have this test that tells you otherwise, and you might think your opinion is better than this metric, but if you take five tests and 80% of the time they say, actually, no, you're pretty perceptive compared to judgmental, then... Well, there you go. There's your answer. So go on Myers-Briggs website, go on human metrics, go on psych metrics, go everywhere and find out your personality type. There are several big ones. And honestly, the more you know about yourself, the better you'll fare because each one of these metrics has something else to offer. So the biggest one is obviously the 16 personalities. This is Myers-Briggs. So two psychologists developed this and there are four quotients that every human is on a spectrum for. <clears throat> you are introverted versus extroverted. You are sensing versus intuitive. You are feeling versus thinking and you are judgmental versus perceptive. So what these quotients mean exactly is if you're an I, you're intuitive, you're introverted. That means that you draw more energy being by yourself and being in smaller company. You value your alone time more and being around too much stimulus will probably overwhelm you. Extroverts are usually referred to as staunchly the opposite. If you get your energy from being around people and experiencing lots of things and usually lots of noise. 
And if you're somewhere that's quiet or you have to keep to yourself, you're going to be drained of energy. Introverted or um, introverted versus extroverted. So then you have intuitive versus sensing. This is how you perceive and register information around you. Intuitive means you follow your gut and you follow things that you know subconsciously. Sensing means that you gather information externally. So you gather information and stimulus through your senses, hearing, smelling, touch, sight, sound. And of course, you know, those kind of things. So me, I am staunchly intuitive. That means that I can receive stimulus outside of myself, but I'm always going to go with my gut and what that tells me because my gut has always worked best for me. As far as introverted versus extroverted, I am pretty much exactly down the middle. There are times where I need a lot of alone time. There are times where I just want to go out and be around a lot of people. I'm an ambivert as such. Then there is feeling versus thinking, which means what do you do with the stimulus? Do you register it emotionally or do you think about it logistically? I'm very emotional, but I'm actually more of a thinker. I usually try to be pragmatic and assess information from a very emotionless and very pragmatic way. And then judging versus perceiving. What do you do with this information to then put it forward? If you're judgmental, obviously you're going to be more trying to make semantics and meaning out of the information. This person is crying. Well, he must be weak. He must be sensitive. He must be hurting. But if you're perceptive, it might look something more like, I am perceiving that this person may be upset. And you don't attach as much emotional stock to something. And usually you see this in politics, people that are more like social justice warriors or the conservative equivalent thereof would usually be more feeling and more judgmental. Whereas somebody who could care less and just kind of whimsically goes by life, they would probably be more thinking and or perceptive. So those are the metrics of Myers-Briggs. There's also the Enneagram. The Enneagram test breaks you into one major arcana and one minor arcana. And what this means is you have a quality of you that dictates a lot of your decision-making process. And then you have another one that sort of accompanies that. So me, I am the nomad slash explorer, first and foremost. I always challenge my surroundings and try to learn more about them. And then I'm also, like I said, I'm a thinker. I'm the intellect. I, I like to challenge what I know and try to expand upon it. There's also the joker slash comic. There's also the follower. There's also the leader. There's also the warrior. There's also the sage. And I'm not as much an expert in the nine archetypes, but some people swear by it. Rivaling that directly are the four phlegmatics or the, the, four, the four humors of personality. So there's phlegmatic... There's melancholic, and there are two other that are currently escaping me. But if you're somebody who is more phlegmatic, you have a more vibrant, maybe even volatile personality. If you're melancholic, you sit emotions deeply. And even though I am not a feeler on the Myers-Briggs, 
I would register myself as melancholic because if you compare a melancholic individual to the Myers-Briggs archetype, then you're looking more at somebody who has the information but also tries to resound deeply within that information as well. So there it stands as relations to the four humors. I think one might be vitriolic, which means like you're very reserved and I'm not terribly reserved, but you know, somebody who's melancholic might be taciturn and maybe they want a day where they do a lot of stuff and another day where they don't. Maybe they want something that makes them feel and they want to go see an opera. Or maybe you're more phlegmatic and you want to go party. That affects how you travel too. For instance, I'm not a party person, so if I tried to live phlegmatically, I would have a bad time when I'm traveling. Me being somebody who is introverted and extroverted, I know that I need to plan long journeys to recharge before I get somewhere. I need to spend several hours just tucked into a book or playing my Nintendo Switch or texting my friends or playing some mindless, mind-numbingly silly game on my phone. And that's okay because that's who I am as a person. Which then, of course, leads to a quotient that a lot of psychiatrists actually have started using called Ocean, the big five. So, these quotients are every letter of the ocean. So, O, open to experience. R, and this is a sliding scale. If you score low on this, you're more reserved and you like sticking to the same old, same old familiar. If you're open to experience, obviously you're like, screw it, I'll try that, whatever, I'll do that. Which is not exclusive with the E, which I'll get to in a moment, and you could probably already guess based off of the Myers-Briggs. I am very, very open to experience. I always score at least 80% plus on that when I assess myself. So I like exploring new things. So when I travel, I try to go and see as many new things as possible and take as many pictures as possible, which also looks impressive, obviously. But if I'm not as open to experience, then these are the people that eat McDonald's in every country they visit. These are the people that eat the same five foods. These are the same people that have very strong preferences and tastes and palates of what they want to do. You could communicate with said people about, you know, we should go to an opera. And they'll be like, oh, not a big fan of operas. Or even, I tried an opera once, didn't like it. But you offer to do something with them that they enjoy, their eyes light up, they say, hell yeah, let's do it. Like literally right now. So that's how the O factors into who you are. The C, conscientiousness. So conscientious. Are you well-kept? Or are you not? If you're conscientious, you're probably more tidy, more organized, more everything in its right place. Routine keeps me in line. The less conscientious you are, the more disheveled you might appear. Organized chaos. Think organized chaos. How does this affect how you travel? Um, if you're a very conscientious individual, seeing a very dirty, run-down part of town or staying in a very dirty, run-down part of town might stress you out. If you're not conscientious, 
you might not care. You were just happy to be there. And the opposite applies. If you are not that conscientious and you go into like a Michelin restaurant, it might be too posh and it might be off-putting. I would say I'm probably less conscientious than not. So I'm more of an organized chaos. I do like my routine, everything in its right place, but I prefer the mundane. I prefer something that probably might not pass health inspection, but damn it, it still tastes good. Because those things don't matter as much to me as being bougie and spending money. The E we talked about already, that's extroversion. Are you extroverted or introverted? In relation to this quotient, I am introverted. So, like I said, I do require long stretches of time where I'm just vibing, doing my own thing, not really talking to people, not really exposed to a whole lot. And that's fine for me. And how that factors into how I travel, as I already said, is I need to have a quiet place to retreat to, even if it's just taking a walk in the woods or walking the streets of the city alone at night, which obviously depending on where you're at is a good or not good idea, make sure it's safe to do so. But still, A, agreeableness. Are you very agreeable? Sure, yeah, man, that's fine, whatever. Or are you not? Me, personally, surprise, surprise, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm not that agreeable. If I have my mind made up about something, that's usually final. So I usually throw down a strong argument and don't budge. If I do budge, it's on my own time. How does this factor how you travel? Well, are you going to go somewhere that involves you to challenge your belief system or not? So if you are a Christian and you go to a pagan festival just because it's something to do, you might be uncomfortable because you're not as agreeable to that new experience. And you're not as agreeable to challenging the way you perceive the world. And that's just how it is. But if you are agreeable, you might say, okay, cool, sure, let me try that. Of course, you might notice as well, there are flickers of the opposite. Like there are things everywhere. Nobody is 100% introverted. Nobody's 100% agreeable. Nobody's 100% conscientious or not. That's just not how humans work. You might be very strongly one way, but there's still going to be something that you're just going to be like, ah, screw it. That's how we are. But still, play to your strengths. Knowing your personality helps you play to your strengths. So I know that I like something that I know something about. I'm not as agreeable as the next person. So if it's something that's going to really, really challenge me and the information I know, and I do tend to know a lot of things about a lot of things just because I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, I might not have near as good a time as somebody who just kind of goes with the flow, which leads us to the next one, neuroticism. Now me, I've clinically diagnosed anxiety, so I'm very neurotic. If you're at the opposite end of the spectrum, go more calm and goose fraba and go with the flow. So how does this affect how you travel? If you're very neurotic, you might consider going somewhere that puts you at ease and doesn't make you anxious. So somewhere where there's at least something familiar you can hold on to. There's definitely been times where I've gone somewhere and I just, the vibes felt off. Me being intuitive, the vibes were off. I didn't like where I was. 
I needed to be able to go to McDonald's real quick, or I needed to go have fish and chips, or I needed to go drink the same beer that I was used to drinking, whatever. You know, that's that's just how that works, really. But if you are the opposite of neurotic and you're more calm and zen-like, maybe you'd consider somewhere that, you know, doesn't put undue stress on you. Or maybe you're just okay with somewhere that's stressful because it won't get to you. It really just depends. So, that being said, learn who you are as a person. I know who I am. I'm an explorer. I'm intuitive. I'm more introverted than not, and I need my alone time. But I also like exploring new things and doing new things. I might not like challenging my word worldview unexpectedly, but I'll do it on my own time through that openness to experience. I'm very melancholic, so I do like going to things that make me feel something. I do like experiencing a full breadth of emotions. Factor all of these things in when you are going somewhere. You will have a much better time because of it. So, for what it's worth, I hope that this was helpful to some of you. Um, because obviously, as I talked about in, I think, season one, maybe the middle of season two, I'm not exactly sure actually right now, knowing my personality type dictates why I did as much as I did. You know, if you're somebody who's more reserved in general, you might want to consider going to one location and sitting in one spot. My partner is like this, like we're going to go to Florida soon. And I was going to have us go all over Florida to lots of museums, lots of things, maybe a festival. And I was going to fly us to Myrtle Beach on top of this. And she said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not used to that. Can we just spend a day doing nothing? And me, I'm not used to doing nothing for a day. But me being agreeable to new experiences, I said, sure, we can try that. So, especially when you're traveling with somebody else, you have to factor that in. Now, if you are a solo traveler like I was for 85 to 90% of my travels, that obviously affects things a little bit differently because you are by yourself. If you want to go have noodles tonight, go have noodles tonight. If you want to go get pissed drunk at this random bar or on a pub crawl, you go for it, friend. You do that. But if you're with somebody that says, well, actually, I'm I'm not really down for that tonight, then you have to compromise. And if you're somebody like me who's not very agreeable, compromise can be hard. So you have to know what level of compromise you're comfortable with and plan accordingly. And this isn't just if you're traveling with someone or not. This is with the people you meet on said travels as well. So always, always factor these things in when you are looking to travel. Know yourself, know your personality. Look at various blogs of people who are introverts that travel. Look at people who are, you know, just look at whatever it might be that you're considering doing and play to your strengths and read blogs, become informed. That is how you're going to save money and how you're going to have a better time in the long run. There's a lot of trips that even as daintily and delicately as I've planned them, there's always a chance that something will go wrong. And there's at least one thing per every trip I went on that went wrong or was just unexpected in general. Like the time that I hooked up with somebody in Lithuania, actually. Like, it it could happen. So know your margins of error and comfortability. Know what you're after. Know what 
you're looking into. Look at what you want to get out of stuff and experience. And the more informed you are about yourself as a person and how that relates to how you travel, the much better time you are going to have. Trust me as somebody who has done it. Trust me as somebody who has sometimes pushed themselves too far out of their comfort zone. And I'll leave it at that for now. At the end of the series, I will talk about Finland and Sweden. And to this I add my beautiful silence.